Friday afternoon, Patio Palooza has resumed. Brett McGarry and Greg Mackling, we are on the rooftop patio at Santa Lucia Pizza on St. Mary's Road. The roof has closed. It looks like it might rain a little bit here. We might get a little bit of precipitation, but they have preemptively closed the roof. It's like being at Sky Dome or I was at Safeco Field in Seattle one time when they closed the roof in the middle of the game. It's kind of a neat process here, the way they can come out with a remote control and close the roof up in, what was that, maybe 40 seconds tops? Yep, if, if that. But, hey, regardless of whether or not it rains, it's protected here. It's a beautiful patio. The weather is wonderful. It's nice and cool now that the sun has gone away a little bit. So it's a great time to come sit on the patio. Come join us at Santa Lucia Pizza on St. Mary's Road for Patio Palooza. And don't forget, you can go to cjob.com and enter for your chance to win a $100 tab to this come to the patio. This is like a utopian patio and I'm using that word because Bob Irving used the word utopia and utopian broadcast in his first tweet from the nation's capital yesterday and joining us from Ottawa is the Hall of Fame voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Mr. Bob Irving our coverage here on 680 CJOB gets underway right after Mackling and McGarry at four o'clock and the kickoff somewhere around six o'clock Bob thanks for taking some time with us today my pleasure guys so, what's the weather like in Ottawa? Why don't we start there with the most basic of questions? Yeah, well, it was raining a little bit this morning, but it's pretty much cleared off now. I think there's a chance of thunderstorms tonight, but it, it's warm. It's in the mid-20s, but very humid. You know, we talk sometimes about our humidity in uh, in Winnipeg and Manitoba, but uh, you guys, if you've been to southern Ontario, and lots of people have, the humidity here can really get severe. So, it's pretty humid here. It's going to be a... I think a real test uh, for the players tonight in terms of staying hydrated and all that good stuff. You know, Bob, you raise an interesting point. I remember I was in a, I had to go to a wedding in Bell River, Ontario, which is uh, sort of in the Windsor, Essex area. And I walked out of my hotel room and just opening the door, it felt like I was walking into a, a sweaty furnace hell. Um, as somebody from Southern Manitoba, I wasn't quite used to the humidity, so for is that going to be a problem for the Bombers at all tonight, do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't think so, uh, Brett. It's not that bad here. It's humid, but boy, I've, I've seen it a lot worse. If the temperature was around 30, then I think you'd be talking about uh, kind of a torture test for some of the players, especially the big ones. So I, I don't believe it'll have the kind of bearing that it w would have if the temperature was 5 or 6 degrees warmer, but for sure it'll, it'll play a role to some degree tonight. The Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. Doug and I were talking about the potential for this being a trap game for the Blue Bombers, who are three and two. Ottawa one four and one. But you know, Dennis Green once upon a time says we they are who we think they are. Are the Ottawa yeah. Red Blacks who we think they are, Bob Irving, or are they a team that deserves to be more or have a better record than one four and one? I don't know if they deserve to or not, Greg, but they could easily have a better record than 1-4-1. and one. They've lost games by 5-4-2-1 and one point. Uh, they played Calgary twice, tied them, lost by four points. Uh, they played Edmonton, lost by two points. So they could easily argue that, you know, they're a much better team than their record suggests, and you hear that expression all the time in sport, but I think it applies to the Red Blacks, and that's probably why they are favored uh, on most betting lines, even though they have a 1-4-1 and one record and the Bombers are 3-2. and two. They are the defending Grey Cup champs. They have a pretty impressive offense. 
They've played some outstanding football this year. Arguably, they've been more consistent than the Bombers have been overall. But it has not produced a number of victories for them. They've just had a lot of tough losses. And they're uh, pretty ginned up tonight to uh, to change all that. So I think the Bombers are going to have to be really on their toes and at their best if they're going to win this one. Matt Nichols, the conversation continues about whether or not Matt Nichols is an elite quarterback. I think we know who the top three quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League are. We won't waste time talking about them right now. Are Trevor Harris and Matt Nichols fighting out for positions four, five, and six with Jonathan Jennings slash Travis Lule in British Columbia, Bob? Uh, yeah, you could make that argument and have that discussion, Greg. I think it's time we... You know, we set aside this discussion about Nichols and whether or not he's bonafide. Uh, to me, there's no question that he is. If you saw him in the last minute and 40 seconds of that game against Montreal, you know, if you're an average, below-average quarterback, you, you can't do what he did, I don't think, in that game. Uh, since uh, he took over from Drew Willie last year in Game 5 of the season, the Bombers are 13-5. and five. They won 13 games and lost five with Matt Nichols at the helm. Uh, he always, almost always, throws more touchdowns and interceptions. You know, his ratio this year is 10 TDs and four picks. I guess he won't give you some of the uh, spectacular stuff that uh, Bo Levi and Mike Riley will give you. But, boy, he's, he's consistent. Uh, he's solid. He's a tremendous leader on the field. The players follow him. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's a quarterback you can win with. There's no question about that. Will we see more of T.J. Thorpe tonight with no Weston Dressler? Is it going to be key to get him involved? Uh, Clarence Denmark and Darvin Adams, who has made some spectacular catches but maybe needs some more targets to spread the ball a little bit around? Yeah, I, uh, that's a good point. T.J. Thorpe was very strong toward the end of that Montreal game, made five catches in those last two scoring drives. Denmark has been fairly quiet. It would be nice to see him get more involved. Ryan Langford's going to step in uh, for Weston Dressler tonight. And uh, he played well at the end of the Montreal game, too, when, when Dressler got hurt. So I think all those players will have to be part of the offense. You know, losing Dressler, is a, it's a big blow, and it can't be minimized in any way. And, of course, there's Andrew Harris, who's got 37 passes this year out of the <laughs> running back position, who, you know, figures to factor in there as well tonight as he does every game he plays. Well, he could, in fact, be the league-leading receiver in terms of number of receptions when all is said and done tonight. Uh, one last question. It's a kind of a, a minor one, but it, it is something that I think some fans might want to take a look at. Who is filling in for holding duties on place kicks uh, with Weston Dressler out tonight, Bob? Well, that's Matt Coates. He's a Canadian receiver, a backup receiver. They signed him as a free agent in the offseason, Greg, and he's been doing it all week. And uh, I suggested to uh, Mike O'Shea that that might cause some issues for Justin Medlock. I haven't had a chance to ask Medlock about it, but O'Shea just he debunked that. He said that Coates is a good holder and they've got, you know, one or two more if, if needed. I know Medlock's, you know, he really relies on that combination of Rempel, Dressler, and himself. Uh, that, that's a well-oiled machine. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it'll be an issue or not, but I think anytime you you go to a backup, it's it's never an ideal situation. So we'll see how it all works out. Hey Bob, you mentioned consistency. That even though Ottawa has a lesser record than the Bombers, they've arguably played more consistent football than the Bombers. What is there any part of the Bombers game that they can improve on that would help them be more consistent as far as your observations go? 
Well, they better play better defensively, Brad, or they're not going anywhere this year. They're just giving up way too many yards. Uh, you know, they're pretty good against the run until the end of the Montreal game. I, I think they can defend the run okay, but their pass defense needs to be better, and everybody involved with the team, the coaches, the players, all agree with that, and they all believe that they will get better as they play together more. So we'll see, but that's the one area where – it just screams out that you can't keep giving up the number of yards they give up and expect to get where you want to go, which is to the Grey Cup. Bob Irving, thank you very much for joining us. Once again, the pregame starts at 4. Hey, Bob, uh, do you expect big numbers having uh, the Mackling and McGarry lead in tonight? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> this is a dream come true for me. It's, it's a utopian moment for me to be on with you guys right off the top. I'm thrilled. <laughs> Who's your broadcast partner tonight, Bob? I forgot to ask you. Well, Doug Brown's going to be with me uh, pre-halftime and post. He could not make it out here to do the color tonight, but James Ellingson, Duke Ellingson, will nice. work with me. I've worked with him many times before, and he's really good. Right on. Bob, thanks for this. Bob Irving, the legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 4 o'clock, the pregame, 6 o'clock, the kickoff, right on here on 680 CJOB, and we're encouraging you to download the the Radio Player Canada app, so that you can listen to Bob's call of the game and do one other thing tonight. If you're a big sports fan and if you love Manitoba, we'll tell you all about that when we come back. Keith McCullough, Global News and 680 CJOB's Sports Sunday will tell us all about that next. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you on the patio at Santa Lucia. Unfortunately, our colleague, friend, countryman, Keith McCullough could not join us here in person, but he is back at 680 CJOB. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Well, where are you going to be tonight? You're going to be exactly where I'd like to be, and I can't make it. I'm uh, I'm hunkered down in my makeshift uh, Canada Summer Games Team Toba Command Center back here at uh, CJOB headquarters, fellas. And yeah, I will be at Shaw Park with hopefully uh, several thousand of our close personal friends from Winnipeg and Manitoba to cheer our boys on as they go for their first ever gold medal. Uh, in the uh, men's baseball competition at the Canada Summer Games. Should be a lot of fun, guys. I was at the semifinal yesterday, and I have to tell you, it was a, a ton of fun. It was every bit as thrilling, every bit as exciting as a professional baseball game as Manitoba pulled it out uh, one nothing over Alberta to advance to the gold medal game this evening. What is the age group of this team, Keith? It's uh, there, there's all sorts of ages in the summer games, Brett. That's what makes it interesting. But for the most part, these guys are sort of 17, 18, 19 year old type uh, baseball players. And that that is sort of the age group for for most of the sports in the Canada summer games. Some, I think, can go as low as 16. And then some of the sports are sort of under 20, under 21. So there's a bit of a range in the Canada Summer Games, but for the most part, we're looking at uh, you know some kids on this Manitoba team that uh, just graduated from high school. So these are pretty young kids who are playing, and that can make the games really exciting, right? Because there's emotional swings and there's some unpredictability that you just wouldn't get from maybe the more steady professional baseball players who are out there. But boy, it makes it exciting to watch. Well, we'd love to see a jam-packed house at Shaw Park. We can fit about 7,000 people into that ball stadium. I don't know if we'll get there, but would sure like to see us try. 7 o'clock versus the much-vaunted, much-despised team from Saskatchewan, although I know not one single thing about them. The fact that they wear a uniform that says Saskatchewan across their chest makes them enemy number one for me. 
what do we know about this team from Saskatchewan? I know that one of their pick pitchers against Ontario last night was throwing them at about 80 miles an hour. They had a 17-year-old pitcher, Greg, who was up in the 90s at times in this tournament. Not consistently, but they can throw some heat. Uh, both of these teams, Manitoba too, have kind of overachieved to get here. Now, Manitoba, the number one seed, they're undefeated in this tournament. They've been a fantastic sc story, scoring way more runs than, than they've given up. But they weren't necessarily the pre-tournament favorite, so they've overachieved, supported, of course, by the great crowds that have been out there cheering them on. Saskatchewan were just 3-3, three and three, 500 in uh, group play. They actually gave up more runs than they scored through the round robin. But, boy, they've gotten hot at the right time. They upset uh, Ontario yesterday in the semifinal to get here so it, it should be a nice matchup and you mentioned it greg it always adds that little bit of spice when we get the prairie rivalry for a gold medal at the canada summer games again would be historic we've never won gold in baseball for manitoba uh, at this competition now the tickets for this story brett i just got a text message here uh, someone wanting to know if they can buy tickets at the stadium. And I understand that you can. Yeah, you can. But yesterday, uh, people were saying, hey, get there early because the lineups to buy tickets were fairly long. And at 3 o'clock, I believe, is the bronze medal game. So if you go to buy tickets online, you can do that. Understand you're buying tickets for both games. It's a full day pass, so to speak. But uh, you can get tickets at the door, correct, Keith? Yeah, and, and just a note, if people are, you know, just bringing a little bit of cash to buy the tickets, Greg, it's been $10 to get those passes throughout the rest of the of the event. But now that we're into these metal games, I believe the price goes up just slightly to 15 bucks to get in. So if you're going to need to bring a little bit more money if you're bringing the kids down or whatever and, and you're looking to pay cash. It is $5 more uh, to get in today. But you're right. There are tickets available at the door, but get there early if you can. It was already a bit of a zoo down in Shaw Park for the semifinal yesterday. I expect it to be even busier tonight. Hopefully this rain you guys were talking about holds up. What was the attendance yesterday? Any idea? Uh, you know what, Brett? I, I th It was... The ballpark was, let's say, two-thirds full. So it was a good crowd. It, it was a few thousand for sure. Greg mentioned it can hold about 7,000. I would think, you know, a sellout would be terrific. But if they can get four or 5,000 people out there tonight to watch this game, what an experience for these kids, right? No and, you know, professional sports is great. And we got a bomber game tonight and the Winnipeg Jets. And But how neat is it for these guys who are, you know, 17, 18 years old to get an opportunity to play where the professional team plays and play in front of, you know, not just family and friends like they would at the community club, but a whole bunch of people who have come out to see them play. And, and a lot of people are turned off, let's face it, by these super millionaire professional athletes uh, who make all this money and the glitz and the glam. These are just, you know, kids from all over Manitoba. The the kid who had the winning RBI uh, yesterday was from Portage La Prairie, so they're from all over the province. And, you know, they're just folks who grew up 
in our neighborhoods who are out there trying to bring back a gold medal for Manitoba. So if, if you're someone who doesn't necessarily like paying all the money to go out and watch professional sports, maybe this is something that you can go check out. Because it, it could really be, guys, when we look back on the Canada Summer Games, and yes, we've done really well today. We've won more uh, gold medals, a couple of them already in competition. But when we look back in you know, 10, 20, 30 years at the Canada Summer Games, hey, remember 2017 when they were in Winnipeg, if they can get it done today, I think this this men's, this boys' baseball team will really be the story that we think back of of this event. So it would be cool to, to pack the ballpark for it. Just got to pause the conversation on the baseball. It is actually starting to rain here at the uh, rooftop patio at Santa Lucia Pizza on St. Mary's. And I just got a notification on my phone. There is a severe thunderstorm warning for the city of Winnipeg. They're tracking a severe thunderstorm capable of producing strong wind gusts up to nickel size hail and heavy rain. So, so we'll keep an eye on the weather warning situation. Uh, Keith, just before we uh, wrap up here, the you mentioned the, the sort of intensity and the, the, uh, the emotion that comes from uh, a young team. I, I sort of, I guess I would liken that for me, the closest thing that I can compare that to is why I like March Madness, the, the college basketball tournament, yeah. because they are young and full of so much heart and emotion and even the world junior hockey championships too brett that so many canadians love to watch around christmas part of what makes it really cool is that a team can be up five nothing and then all of a sudden the game's five four and then it's six five i mean there's these wild swings because these are kids who we're, we're talking about not the seasoned professional athletes and sometimes you see more mistakes but sometimes uh, that's what makes it really exciting so hopefully we get a good game down at Shaw Park tonight I think we will quick shout out before I go guys Emma Gray the uh, younger sister of Jeff Gray a Winnipeg Blue Bombers draft pick a University of Manitoba Bisons grad won gold again uh, in rowing today a second gold medal for Manitoba and as we speak uh, the Bison girls basketball team moving towards a bronze medal in girls basketball. They're up by 19 points over Alberta in the uh, fourth and final quarter at Duckworth Center at U of W. So it looks like we'll add another medal to the tally for Manitoba this afternoon before we get to the main event this evening down at Shaw Park. In the uh, Pan American Games 1999, Stubby Clap and Team Canada almost uh, took home the gold medal uh, in baseball at Shaw Park, uh, reminding me of this. So uh, get out there and support uh, Team Toba against Team Saskatchewan this afternoon. Keith, thanks for this. Cheers, guys. Have fun down there. We'll take a break. We come back. Uh, global news and weather is next. That is the uh, opening chords, the opening notes of Sundancer from our next guests, Eagle and Hawk. They're back in Winnipeg. They've been traveling across the country. They're going to have a special event tonight as part of uh, CP's 150th anniversary or 150th birthday celebration here in Canada. Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling with you here on the rooftop patio at Santa Lucia. A couple of housekeeping issues. We are under a severe thunderstorm <laughs> warning or watch right now. I guess it's a well, warning because yeah. we're right in the middle of it here. We've got the roof closed and we've also got a text that's saying it's hailing like crazy on Highway 7 between Stonewall and Winnipeg. So uh, there are people in fact pulled over on the highway. So wow. caution if you're up in that part of town. 
and uh, I suspect that means it's moving across. It's not going to be staying stationary. So we have some very active weather in the area. We will keep you up to date on that. As mentioned, our friends from Eagle and Hawk are here, and let's start with my good friend Spatch, Lawrence Mulhall. Great to see you, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, once again, uh, thank you for having us on here today. It's uh, always great to be on CJOB. And uh, where do you get those great T-shirts from? <laughs> I'm wearing the old school CJOB 68 Superstation T-shirt. You know what? I just I, I've worked there for 15 years, and we uh, there's a number 68 on the back. It was uh, for a, a go kart competition for Huntington's that we did at Thunder Rapids. Oh wow! And uh, I just held on to it, so now I wear it for. Uh, Every time I come here? Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Eagle and Hawk. I mean, I've been watching you perform for, I don't want to say 30 years, but it's been 28, Spatch, I hate to tell you, since the first time I saw you. I guess it was Shake Naked, right? Back once upon Oh, a time. back in the day. Actually, Jay here, Jay Bodner here is uh, from Shake Naked as well. And uh, I've been lucky enough to, to uh, be playing with Eagle and Hawk. How long now, Vince, for off and on? We're figuring maybe since uh, 2002. Although we used to jam, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we used to jam quite a bit in the Wise Guys days, with with Troy Westwood and that, right? Yeah, yeah Shake Naked. That's a name that that's ringing a bell. Oh yeah, if if you spent any time in any of the bars that had live music in Winnipeg, you saw Shake Naked at least once, if not a hundred times. Yeah, I have my hand up. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I, I, believe me, I was there. I was in the band, and it was a lot of fun. That's but Eagle sure. and Hawk, uh, Vince has such an illustrious heritage. You've been a uh, top uh, Aboriginal artist at the Juno Awards, and, and you guys are really uh, an institution in our part of the world. Hey, well, thanks very much. Uh, you know, we, we kind of started off as a fun project back in the mid-90s with Troy, and Spatch was part of the early years, and then uh, all of a sudden we figured, hey, we're getting the phone starting to ring, and uh, we got some tours set up, so we, uh, we all knew Jay, and uh, Jay became the lead singer of um, Eagle and Hawk. It's actually going to come up to 20 years in 2018, so we've got some big plans for next year, and uh, we're having fun, and this is kind of the core lineup of the original days, so it's cool. Love it. That's Vince Fontaine and Jay Bodner's on the headset now. Jay, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to for the last little bit with this uh, train uh, with CP. Uh, well, we uh, just got back from Edmonton. We uh, unfortunately didn't ride that train, but uh, we had a great show uh, in Edmonton. A lot of folks came out. The weather was similar to this mm -hmm. without the rain, and then uh, showtime, it just went... Just gorgeous and uh, looking forward to representing our city as CP uh, rolls into town. So this train, uh, Greg, I mean, you, you're, you're a historian. For those who are unfamiliar with the CP train. Well, it's kind of like the Santa train that they do every single year that will roll across the country. <clears throat> they pull up for a couple of hours. They have a car. It's like a box car. And they kind of just open it up. And there's a stage. Exactly. And then some of the top performers... Uh, in the country from time to time are a part of this and uh, at, at here in Winnipeg they're going to be down near uh, South holy crow that rain's coming down now <laughs> Southdale Community wow. Center and it's a diesel locomotive from 1958 they've got heritage cars and uh, I think it's Dean Brody that's yeah, also going to be performing with you as, as well today so it's really a, a great celebration of course music, trains how does it get more Canadian than that? It's really cool. They, the, uh, some of those heritage trains you're talking about, they've uh, redone them, refinished them. Um, that major train Winston that Churchill Winston Churchill was on one of the cars. And uh, oh, wow. it's just the detail they put into this thing. Is just, it's just a gorgeous train. So music's such a big part of Canadian life. We did on 
Canada Day leading up to the Canada Day weekend. We did our big 64 battle, our March Madness equivalent of the best artists in Canada. 32 individual artists, 32 bands. And we had more arguments about who didn't get on the list than whittling it down to our, our top four. What is it about Canada, Vince, that, you know, that creates such amazing music? Because everybody thinks, oh, we got the best music here, but our music plays to the entire world in an unprecedented fashion. Well, we're, we're very lucky that Eaglen Hawk has uh, spent a lot of time in Europe in the late 90s, early 2000s. In fact, uh, there, there's a, probably over 14 tours we did right across from Switzerland to France to Austria, Germany. And so we got to see the perspective of what those folks from Europe had of, of Canada, Canadian music scene. And in fact, which was cool in our case, was kind of the indigenous music brand. And so Eaglen Hawk was kind of one of the front and center that were, were sharing that and exporting that. Uh, so it was really cool, but back to that, here in Winnipeg, we're really proud of the music heritage we have. There's a lot of bands that we looked up to and still look up to. You know, my good friend Chris Bergafney, I'll send a shout out. He's our co-writer producer for 20 years. Uh, so the Pumps Orphan, our, uh, our late good friend, Mr. Kenny Shields and Streetheart, the list goes on and on. But there was a great music scene, live music scene in those days, right? So we were part of that. Spatch was in Shake Naked. I was in Black Jacket. We all knew each other. We played the circuit. There was like 12 rooms in town. You could just go to the circuit every two months, right? So anyways, it was great. And uh, from us as an Indigenous point of view, uh, it's great to represent that. But at the same time, we're representing with a bit of a red uh, flavor to it, which is kind of the, the flag of Canada and the Indigenous lens, right? So it's a double, double take there. Vince, you mentioned the word there was a great live music scene back then <laughs> has, it, has anything changed do you think well there's certainly a, there's certainly not the top 40 music scene that's number one which also means there's a lot there's less rooms to play live but i think there's uh, still the great talent level that comes out there's a lot of another wave of talent manitoba music for example supports these original artists um, the way if you want to get out, out of Winnipeg and play music and export it, you got to write original music. So we encourage artists to do that, right? So in Eagle and Hawk, in fact, and I'll let it out of the bag, we, we may be even in talks of doing a new uh, CD for our 20th anniversary next year. That's great news. Jay, uh, Vince mentioned Kenny Shields. Any Kenny Shields stories for us? Well, I am the self-proclaimed biggest street art fan uh, in Canada, probably the world. Um, to such a nerdish degree that I'm working on a street heart tattoo and uh, decking out my uh, 1974 Honda with some street heart decals. Uh, actually, uh, two things got me into music. One was the Kiss Alive 2 record cover, and then my first concert when I was in grade six, my parents let my buddy and I take a bus from St. Vitel to the Winnipeg Arena um, to see Street Heart and Old Nova. And like I would never let my kids do that nowadays, but <laughs> I would drive them or go with them. But seeing the uh, seeing Streetheart in that I I at that concert, Kenny climbed the truss, the lighting truss, and hooked his legs and hung upside down and was singing. And and uh, I just remember looking at that and going, "That's what I want to do." And uh, I have a little f I, Kenny uh, was gr uh, was very. Uh, gr grateful that Kenny uh, years ago gave me the 1982 tour shirt. Um, I ended up finding the opening band uh, shirt on eBay, and my my buddy gave me the ticket stub. So it's in a frame in my nerdish basement, um, 
with the unofficial title for that piece of art is my catalyst for my life of poverty in music. Well, <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah. That's fabulous. <laughs> I was not expecting that good a story, Jay. So oh, man. thanks for sharing that Thank with you. us. We really appreciate it. Why don't we break for weather? Uh, it's no secret part of the city is getting a downpour right now. We've got hail reported north of the perimeter highway. We'll update uh, where we're at in just a few minutes, and then if uh, Vince and Jay will do us the honor, we'd love to hear you play in a few minutes when we come back. We've got Eagle and Hawk, at least uh, three-fifths, or, or we got half of you? Three-quarters. Three-quarters, three not bad. Not bad. Well, actually, three-fifths, because there's a... Well, today we're playing as a four-piece. But uh, typically you're five, yeah, right? Five or six. Yeah. I mean, uh, we gotta, we got to say a shout-out to Jerry Atwell. Uh, he's well-known, of course, in Winnipeg. He's one of our long running keyboard players and uh, they only had so much room on the box car so they said keep it to five i said okay no keyboards <laughs> no, no keyboards, keyboards that's okay afternoon. i'll be playing keyboard lead we uh look forward to, to hearing that and uh, as i mentioned we've got your latest forecast next just looking for a sponsor here i think we are without sponsor here brett mcgarry uh, <laughs> we we've been uh changing our uh our setup here, so I apologize. Oh, here it is. Oh, go ahead, Brett. Brought to you by Global, here to make headlines funny again. Don't miss the series premiere of SNL Weekend Update Thursday at 9 on Global. Now, we can tell you oh. that the mix of sun and cloud, there's no sun. It's all cloud, <laughs> and it's mostly rain right now. Good chance of showers. We're getting a thunderstorm in certain parts of the city of Winnipeg right now and around southern Manitoba. Brett, you took a look at the radar. It seems as though we might be getting a couple of waves of bad weather. We've had text messages. Uh, please be safe out there. Hail uh, at different sizes around the city of Winnipeg in particular. We had a report of hail on Highway 7 just north of the perimeter highway. Yeah, it's coming in uh, steep from the northeast. Looks like it's going to be hitting Winnipeg on and off for the next few hours at least. So Okay. Yeah. So keep it locked here. Uh, heading into the evening, looking for a partly cl cloudy sky. Uh, chance of showers low of 9 degrees tomorrow. Mix of sun and cloud, 30% chance of showers. Risk of a thunderstorm. And uh, sunny on Sunday and a high of 27. Right now it's cooled off. It's 21 degrees at 680. CJB 20. We're down another degree. Right here on 680 CJOB. The most discombobulated weather <laughs> forecast of all time here on 680 CJOB. We, uh, confessions here, we're getting wet on the patio. Even though the roof is closed, we had a massive downpour. My computer, I had to close my computer. We were shuffling around our papers here to accommodate our great friends. Spatch Mulhall is here. Lawrence, uh, some of, uh, of you know him as. And we've got our new friends here. Uh, Jay Bodner and Vince Fontaine. They are better known as Eagle and Hawk. You can see them tonight, fingers crossed. They're going to be down at the Southdale Community Center. You know where that is in the southern part of the city. 254 Lakewood Boulevard. It's part of CP's celebration of Canada's 150th birthday. Dean Brody will be there as well. Spatch, anybody else performing tonight? Uh, Dean Brody, and then they have the uh, host band, Dallas Arcan, the hoop dancer, is there. Kelly, Kelly Prescott, Prescott too. Oh, wow. wow. That's great. That must be a new one. I didn't. So oh, Kelly Prescott, right. Yeah, that's right. That takes place at uh, 5 o'clock, and it goes through till 8 o'clock tonight, and I imagine it goes uh, regardless of weather. Well, I was looking at the radar, and it looks like it It looks hopeful. It looks clear for yeah. later tonight, yeah. yeah. I'm no prognosticator, but it looks good. Don't get discouraged. Yeah. Come on out. 
So we've been talking about music. We've been talking about Kenny Shields and Street Art, talking about the history of Eagle and Hawk. What better way to uh, celebrate today than to hear some Eagle and Hawk? And uh, Spatch, what song are you going to play for us? Well, we're going to do a song, uh, a song that Vince wrote called I See Red, which is a fun song to, to play. And I'd like to send that out to my mom and my brother who are listening in uh, Collingwood, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. The last thing I want to do is uh, remind everybody that we will be playing Assiniboine Park on August 17th at 7 o'clock at the Lyric Theatre. So please come out and see us. Thank you. All right, Spatch. Here we go. Vince, Jay, Eagle and Hawk right here on the patio at Santa Lucia on St. Mary's Road. Fantastic. Have you got chills? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Vince you. Fontaine, Jay Bodner, Spadge Mulhall, three-fifths of Eagle and Hawk. We're so thrilled to have you guys here today. You can see them in concert tonight. You can check it out. It's the CP, well, we'll call it CP Rail in this case, the Celebration of Canada's 150 Southdale Community Centre, 254 Lakewood Boulevard, You've probably been out for the Santa train or the Christmas train in the past. They're going to open up a boxcar, and boom, there will be Dean Brody. Boom, there will be Eagle and Hawk, 5 o'clock till 8 o'clock tonight. Hopefully this weather passes. Fellas, thanks for all you've Thank done you. 
for Manitoba Music. You are genuine treasures, and we appreciate you taking some time with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And I'll just add, I'm going into holiday, my holidays next week, and what a way to go into my holidays oh. with a performance. That was really, like, I'm genuinely moved right now. I'm, my heart's beating, so thank you so much. What a, what a treat. Absolutely our job is Our job is hard. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I think the uh, patrons here on the patio at Santa Lucia that are still here were blown away. Hope you were as well. Eagle and Hawk, one more time, see them tonight. And also August 17th, right, Spatch? Lyric Theatre, 7 o'clock, Assiniboine Park. You won't want to miss that. Some great programming at Assiniboine Park throughout the summer. We'll take a break, and then it's cottage country weather. Actually, I think that's coming up next. Before we uh, come on the air, we always get the weather forecast ready, all the sponsors ready. And sponsors are one thing, but the forecast, I would say, for the next handful of hours, Brett is out the window. Yeah. Because we are in the midst of some severe weather around, in and around the city of Winnipeg. We've seen some hail, reports of uh, cats, dogs, and other animals falling from the sky in West Kildonan. So just uh, keep an eye on the sky. Please share with us when it's safe. 204-780-6868, what you're experiencing out there. That is the best weather forecast there is. Adam says sky's darkish in the city, but take a look. To the west, holy bleep. And we also have seen some uh, some incredible images on our text messaging mas machine at 204-780-6868. We will keep you up to date. And because we're outside, essentially, we are right in the middle of it. And we will uh, we will be the live eye, so to speak. Uh, we weather. have to say thanks to a new listener here who has come over with an extra umbrella for us. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> She's just hanging out. Uh, yeah, just looking at the radar, it looks like, honestly, these storms formed out of nowhere. Right. They weren't on the map, and then suddenly they were everywhere, scattered across southern Manitoba. And it looks like there is more heading in this direction. So uh, right now it's kind of a lull, but I think we might need to prepare to batten down the hatches once more. I but see, see some blue sky to the north and the west from where we're sitting, basically right in downtown Winnipeg. However, to our east. Yeah, it's a little uh, different story. It's a, a little, little sketchy. So, um, yeah. It's, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. Like they say in Family Guy, it's going to rain. <laughs> way to go way out on the limb there, Brett. <laughs> hey, uh, one of the topics of conversation, and one more time, Eagle and Hawk. Uh, the goosebumps are just subsiding now. Incredible to have them just feet away from us here across the table on the patio here at Santa Lucia. Uh, what an incredible performance. want to thank them again. Uh, you can see them tonight at 5 o'clock, between 5 and 8, on Lakewood Boulevard down at the uh, Southwood uh, Rec and uh, Community Club, Club Complex as part of CP's Canada 150 celebration. they got a big train coming across. Dean Brody will be with them. A great opportunity to see some live music. Congratulations to the Manitoba girls for winning a bronze medal in basketball. That news just coming in the last uh, handful of minutes here on 680 CGOB as well. We want to talk real estate. When we do that, we call in our good friend Alan Asplin, Judy Lindsay team. And, Alan, thanks for coming down. Uh, you got caught in the rain a yeah, little bit yourself. Right. Pleasure to be here. We appreciate you doing it. But real estate is something that we can talk about at any gathering, right? Yeah. Eventually it comes up, uh, the value of your home. Yeah. We all know somebody that's moving, buying or selling a new home and – I think inevitably two markets come up in conversation, Toronto and Vancouver. And Funny I think for the it. most part, we're still 
very uh, thankful that we're in Manitoba, but the, the market's as active as can Absolutely. be right now. It's been a great year so far. Absolutely. We're seeing uh, increases in prices, which is nice to see. We really hadn't seen a lot of increases since 2011. So especially, it's hard in the previous years, we're hearing these 20% gains year over year in Toronto and Vancouver. We're sitting here changing maybe 1% or 2%. So it's kind of like good for everybody who is a homeowner in Winnipeg to, to see that this year. Yeah, a lot of people say uh, more expensive. Well, why is that good? Why is that good, Al? Well, it's really only good if you own a house. Certainly if you <laughs> don't own a house, <laughs> it's not good. And and it's hard. If you don't own a house, it's hard. Like Now that average sales around $300,000, if prices go up 5%, that's $15,000. And it's hard to save $15,000 cash towards a purchase. So. Imagine if you're in Vancouver and it's a million two and it goes up 5%, try saving that much. But if you have a house and houses go up 5%, you're making good money in your house. Toronto and Vancouver markets, why are these the markets that always come up in discussion? Like, why do those markets matter to us here in Winnipeg? I, I think it's just because of population. There, there's so much transactions that happen in, in those cities and the dollar volume is so huge that it, it certainly makes for a great conversation, especially when we sit here at a average sale of 300000 and they're four times that. You know, and, you, and we kind of say, well, I'd never buy a house here in Winnipeg for 1.2, but that's the average there. Like, that's the equivalent of buying a $300,000 house here. So it's, it's kind of hard to swallow. I think it makes a lot of people thankful that yeah. they're still in this marketplace. Now, the word uh, boom has been associated with those markets for an awfully long time. There's been a concern mm -hmm. that there is a real estate bubble uh, not only in Vancouver and Toronto, but quite frankly, right across the country. Mm -hmm. We've seen some slowdown and regression in markets like Calgary. Edmonton actually handling things quite well, yeah. relatively speaking. But in terms of Toronto... That is a market a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around. Mm -hmm. The condo construction there has been incredible. There was a statistic in an article that I sent you this week. The word boom is in the title, but so is the word end. And here's the title. <laughs> in Canada, a nation of realtors braces for the end of the boom. How many realtors do we have in Winnipeg? Well, that's interesting uh, because you did send me the article and I, and I started thinking back. When I started in 2000, and I date myself a bit, there was just over 800 agents in the city. Now there's a little over 1,800 agents in the city. And when I say that to people, they're like, whoa, there's 1,800 agents in the city. There is, but you don't see them every day because there's a lot of inactive agents. People who are there kind of, you know, as a hobby-ish, uh, average agent in Winnipeg will sell seven or eight houses. You look at Toronto, it goes a little lower. It's around three houses per agent. So they have a little over 40,000 agents now in Toronto. How many? 40,000. But they're going to sell around 100,000 houses in Toronto area, where in Winnipeg we'll sell year over year around 14,000 houses. So that's the difference. And our average sale is certainly about a third of, of what theirs are too. So, so the market can, sorry, Greg, no, the, no. the market there can then sustain that staggering number of, of real, real estate agents. Currently. And that's always the thing. And, and I've been in the business long enough to see kind of the ebb and flow of realtors. When the business is great, people say, wow, we can make great money in real estate. Let's get into the business. And we see a whole bunch of new realtors come in. They think it looks easy because it, it does look easy. Uh, but it also looks easy to paint your house, too. And so they come into the business and they try their hardest and they realize, well, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And then usually with, it's just like a small business. Within a couple of years, the majority will exit five years, even more, and there's very few who will actually last 10 years. And that's why in Winnipeg or even any other market, 
80% of the sales are done by 20% of the agents out there. Oh, the good old 80-20 rule. That's it. So talk about the, the idea then that, you know, let's, let's assume for a minute that Toronto or Vancouver are in the midst of a correction and certainly statistics may suggest that they are. Is it all gloom in terms of those markets? I mean, if they back off a little bit, what is the effect in your mind to the economy? And if we saw something, not that either one of us are predicting one way or the other, what is the, what are the ramifications to the economy when housing slows down? Yeah, that's probably the biggest question, right? Because it not only affects any homeowner, but it affects everybody who works in the home industry. And the home industry really employs hundreds of thousands of people, even here in Winnipeg. And we saw those repercussions in the States in 07 and 08. So houses went down and they said, well, that's just houses. No, no. It's all the home improvement stores. Anybody who works in that industry, anybody who supports those industries, all of a sudden is affected as well. And so it's, it's kind of a catastrophic waterfall, so to speak. You mentioned that a lot of people get into the business because uh, they think it looks easy. Why would anyone think it's easy? Because I can't imagine what it would take, first of all, just to break into the business and get a clientele. Right. Never mind then being successful at it. Right. And well, because if you look at, say, Toronto, and they say, well, on an average house sale, a realtor could make upwards to $15,000. And they broke it down saying, well, if it takes, you make $15,000, how many hours does it really take to sell that house? And because it's a hot market, it doesn't take that long. So they said, maybe you put in 15 hours to sell that house. Well, you're making $1,000 an hour to sell that one house. That looks pretty good. What you don't see, though, is all the effort to just get that house and to actually sell it. Give us, some, uh, give us an idea, Alan, of what it takes to, to make it in this business, if you don't mind sharing with us. Well, that, how many days do we have to sit here? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think, I, I don't even have the answer to that. I mean, it's, it is very, I think real estate is one of the most competitive businesses out there. There's some of the smartest people uh, in business, in real estate, uh, here in our city, just incredible smart people. Uh, and it, because it involves, you have to be the best at, online marketing you have to be the best in social media you have to be the best at staging houses and design best at construction you have to be the best salesperson and if you can do all that well maybe then you can make it into that top 20 percent but that's if people even know how good you are i know great people who are really smart that come into the business and they think hey i've done construction for 30 years i know how to online market i know website stuff i can make a killing at this and they don't do anything within five years they're gone and you go, well, this guy should have made it, but he just didn't have it. Well, you also have to be kind of on call all the time, too, don't you? Because I remember yeah. taking a phone call from my real estate agent about four in 2013. He was trying to have a, a round of golf, yeah. but he had to interrupt his round because someone yeah. called him about my house. Then he had to call me and relay the information, and I could just hear how exasperated he was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. I think uh, some of my buddies get pissed off at the golf course too when, when they're trying to make a putt. And I say, sorry, guys, i got to go here and take this call. And please wait, please wait. Okay, I'll catch up with you on the next hole. But that's what happens. We are on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And, uh, and that's part of the reason why I feel that we do get paid the way we do is because that inconvenience factor, that long weekend, Sunday night, all of a sudden an offer comes in, you're at the lake. Well, too bad. You're driving in to, to deal with that offer. Why don't we take a pause and we come back, we'll... We'll talk about an offer. I think that's a good segue. The fact that an offer is a binding contract, and someone in Vancouver, uh, there's a news story that just came out this morning that I saw, who uh, went to court to get out of an offer to purchase a house. 
Let's find out how binding that piece of paper is when we come back. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, and our good friend Alan Asplin is with us at Santa Lucia Pizza. The rain has stopped for now. We'll get you a weather forecast update when we return next. Still 20 there, Brett McGarry? Still 20 degrees. All right, just want to make sure we're handing out the proper information here. Oh, no, it just went down to 19. 19, I was going to say, it feels kind of cool, doesn't it? started it? at 25. Wow. An hour, so 20 minutes ago. We've seen a 6-degree differential, a drop in temperature here, and it's uh, starting to rain again at Santa Lucia. Good thing we're under the roof here. Alan Asplin, Judy Lindsay Team Realty, is with us. And, uh, Alan, thanks for uh, joining us on the patio today. A story here coming from, uh, well, it comes from CBC, actually. It went across the line this afternoon. It says that a buyer who walked away from a real estate deal ordered to pay $360,000. Would-be buyer ordered to pay the difference after a house ultimately sells for 28% less. How does this story go, Brett, in your uh, best newsreader voice? Uh, well, this is uh, this is coming from the BC Supreme Court. They ordered this buyer who decided to to walk away from a real estate deal in Surrey, BC, to pay the sellers more than three hundred and sixty thousand dollars, or six times the original deposit. And this ruling uh, puts the would-be buyer on the hook for the difference between the contract he signed for one point two six million and what it eventually sold for after the homeowners failed to find another buyer to match the initial high offer. This original deal goes back to May 2016. The sellers were uh, downsizing to a condo, accepted a no-subjects offer, which is something we see a lot of, mm -hmm. right, Alan? No-subjects with a 60000 deposit to buy their single-story rancher in Surrey. And uh, boom, they decided to try and get out of it. Mm -hmm. And the seller said, uh, wait a minute, we have a contract here. Tell us how valuable, how binding that piece of paper is when you sign an offer with a realtor to uh, buy someone's house. Yeah, I think, uh, well, obviously the proof is here that it, it can cost you a lot of money to, to walk away. Uh, a lot of people think that it's like a simple contract. You put down maybe $5,000 down, you walk away, well, I'll lose my $5,000. Well, it's really not that simple. And a lot of times sellers think they want a bigger deposit. In this case, they, they had a $60,000 deposit in the house, which would be a substantial deposit. And you say, hey, let's just keep the $60,000, walk away. But no, they went after it, and they got really uh, six times more than that back through the courts. And on a lesser scale, we had this happen. In my 17 years, we had two deals fall apart here in Winnipeg. So it, it doesn't happen that often. But back in May 0405, when we started to see the first round of bidding wars happening and people were going crazy, we had this one in uh, Island Lakes where it was a $120,000 house, went up to 144 and they went, wow, $24,000 over, this is crazy. Two weeks later, the buyer comes back, walks away. And uh, my seller says, well, hey, they can't walk away, we've got a deposit. Well, yeah, but you know, it's only $4,000. The next closest offer wouldn't come back to the table at that point, so we had to go back to the market. And instead of going to court, the, the lawyers end up figuring it out between them exact same situation that they really? would pay the difference between what it sold for and what it eventually sold for so it got bid up to 144 the lawyers ordered them to try and sell it at 144 didn't sell at that price they had to lower it down and eventually sold for 120 and uh, they had to pay the difference and it was it wasn't a big thing where it went to court it was simply here's the money so done. it's that it's that lock solid it's it a, is it, well it, we, we had one other deal uh the other one that fell apart was the the buyer passed away unfortunately and uh, so that makes it a little more complicated. And now the seller really couldn't go back 
after them. There wasn't anything to go back for the state, and, and this all ended up being out. And same thing. It wasn't a bidding war. They had bid it up, but unfortunately went back. And, it, and the problem is that if once you're outside of that realm of the excitement of that first day with all these offers coming in, you try to go back to the market, that excitement's not there anymore. It's, it's hard to create that same atmosphere. So consequently, uh, and same thing in this case, get a lot lower offer. What about, what happens if, uh, let's say, I, I make an offer um, and I decide, like, before all the offers have been looked at or whatever, I want to, I, I, oh, no, I, I want out. Yeah. Am I allowed to withdraw an offer? Absolutely. Before? Okay. Yeah, and it all has to do with timing, interestingly enough. And we, uh, they've done case studies. Uh, we do annual training with the, the real estate board where you're sitting down with your clients and you have, say, seven offers. You say, okay, well, this is the highest one. We're going to accept it. No problem. And then what happens, the agent sits there and chats with their friends. They have uh, wine and say, congratulations. And then in the midst of that, the, exactly what you said, the buyer gets cold feet and says, I'm pulling my offer. And as long as that agent communicates it to you first that they're pulling it before you commit, commit the, uh, communicate the acceptance back to them, that's fair. You're done. You can get out, no problem. Okay. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of contracts have a cooling off period. Mm -hmm. is, is that in place or, you yeah. know, is that the time? How, how does that work, Alan? Yeah, very good question. So uh, residential houses, no cooling off period. The only conditions are there are the ones that you put on there yourself. Condos are a different market because there's a lot more to buying a condo and selling a condo than just a typical house because it's not just the condo unit. It has to do with the whole condo corporation. So the buyer has time to look at the corporation as a whole and decide, is this something that I want to get into as far as what's the financial status, the rules and bylaw, et cetera. So you have 10 days to, to look at those and decide, yes, if you want to get in. And you can get, if you just got cold feet in those case scenario, if the condo corporation is perfectly fine, you can still walk away, get your deposit back and and go on shopping. Yeah, because you're not just buying the box in a condo, right? You're buying into the corporation that That's owns right. the entire building. So you want to know what shape uh, the yeah. different facilities are in, and you really want to do your homework on that. We're seeing Absolutely. a return of multiple offers on in this marketplace yes. again. I think in April it was one in four yes. were multiple offers. Is that continuing throughout the summer, no, Alan? It's it's typical. Even back in the heydays when we were seeing one out of two offers, multiple offers uh, you know, back five years ago, uh, going to summer, it always slows down. We see a lot more inventory come to market, and the buyers just don't have the same urgency now. Where in the spring, it's like we also get a lot of, I, I call it a little bit of um, extra demand. So we have corporate transfers, we have military transfers in those April, May months coming in, and people, they have to buy. They're here for the weekend, they have no choice, they have two days, buy something. And so with that extra demand, certainly comes extra offers coming in that, and prices higher that people would maybe wouldn't pay if they weren't under such stress or duress to actually find a place. Alan Asplin is our guest, joining us from the Judy Lindsay Real Estate team. Thanks for joining us today. We really My appreciate it. My pleasure all the time, guys. Get oh. home safe. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Cyrus is coming up next. I have the uh, texting technology back up on my computer since it stopped raiding. Oh. We have traffic lights out on Lajamodiere and McLeod, <laughs> Springfield <laughs> and Chief Peguis. Police and cadets are directing traffic. I know we have a power outage in my neck of the woods and have had that since uh, this morning. So uh, this rain is probably not helping at all. So up in North Kildonan, uh, some traffic issues uh, either tied to that power outage or to the weather that we're having. We're still under a severe uh, thunderstorm warning in the city of Winnipeg where we are. Things have settled down, but we can certainly see some dark skies to the south and to the north and east. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is here, Brett. 
Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is here uh, because it's our weekly visit. Every Friday at 2.30, most Fridays at 2.30. Uh, last week, Dr. Cyrus decided he wanted to spend some time with his family. So I guess you know, we decided, okay, if that's what you really want to do. I don't know. <laughs> summertime. Hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> DrCyrus.com is the website. And today we are going to talk about defense mechanisms. There's a website that we often refer to for our chats with Dr. Cyrus. It's called psychologytoday.com. And they often have these sort of compilations. It's like a splash page of different articles that sort of all fall under an umbrella of one topic. And it says, En garde! We all use defense mechanisms, but we're not all aware of what we're doing. So read about this, plus how to handle the defensiveness of others and what is holding you hostage. So, Dr. Cyrus, I think we've all heard the term defense mechanism, but for those who are not entirely sure what a defense mechanism is, can you explain that to us? For sure, yeah. It's just uh, something that we do when uh, we're confronted with something you know, stressful or inconsistent with uh, the way we would like things to be. And it helps us to maintain mental health. It helps us to stay, kind of, uh, to prevent anxiety, to uh, keep us uh, fairly stable. And so some of them are healthier, some of them are less healthy, and, uh, but we all, we all do it at one time or another, usually so more than we think. Are they physiological? Are they learned? Are they somewhere in between? Hmm. How, how do we, how do we um, find our go-to defense mechanism? Well, I think that, um, you know, as we get older, we usually start off with what they would call, you know, maybe more primitive defense mechanisms. And then as you get older, you get to be more, you know, hopefully using more mature defense mechanisms. And they seem to happen quite naturally to people. And I've, I've never heard the nature nurture on defense mechanisms, um, but they seem to be everywhere. And uh, we start to use them, you know, quite young. That's for sure. What... Uh is there a particular personality type? Like if somebody has a chip on their shoulder about whatever, mm -hmm. is that person likely to be more uh, quick to react with a defense mechanism of some sort? Uh, definitely. I think that sometimes uh, what we might call like a personality disorder um, is actually uh, a person who's like typically using a certain kind of defense mechanism. So, uh, you know, for example... Uh, somebody who has an antisocial personality disorder is somebody who maybe uses an aggressive acting out defense mechanism. So, you know, you say something that I don't like and I hit you kind of thing, you know, and those people you know, often end up kind of having certain kinds of problems in life. I remember when I was working at Stony Mountain, a lot of them were diagnosed with kind of antisocial personality traits or disorders or things like that. Um, so that is a certain kind of defense mechanism, a more you know, a uh, basic, not-so-healthy one normally. Um, but, yeah, definitely. So can a defense mechanism and how one reacts in certain situations be a tip-off to maybe some personality mm. um, issues? Or is there just a correlation that happens? You know, this person is dealing with, uh, oh, I don't know, an anxiety disorder. And so mm -hmm. typically we would look for these types of defense mechanisms or mm -hmm. by monitoring and uh, and looking at the, the defense mechanisms that they use typically, does it help us to diagnose the anxiety order? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like when, you know, this was actually surprising to me when I was starting my practice was that 
people sometimes don't realize that they have anxiety. I thought that was kind of self-evident. If you if you were nervous or you were afraid, you'd feel that and you'd know what that was. But I regularly have people coming in who are, you know, sometimes extremely anxious and don't realize that they're anxious. And um, one of the ways that I kind of notice it is because, you know, normally people come in and they say, I'm anxious, right? So it's like, okay, you're anxious. Uh, but if they don't know to use that word or they don't realize that that's an issue for them, they'll normally start talking about a defense mechanism, you know, avoidance. So they just avoid life. They, you know, they start talking about how they spend a lot of time at home and how they don't do things and how they don't see people. And when I see a lot of avoidance in people's lives, I start kind of asking questions about anxiety and maybe, uh, you know, kind of the physical responses of anxiety. Do you ever kind of have times when you're sweating a lot or when you're shaking or... Um, you know, when you feel like you're going to die or your heart's racing, things like that. So if you are in a position then where you're, you are in avoidance, mm -hmm. what is, how do you break out of that? How can you sort of defeat the defense mechanism that's holding you back? Well, I think that it depends a little bit on the kind of defense that you're using. Um, the, you know, the defenses that we have are, are often unconscious. Sometimes we're consciously aware of them, sometimes we're not. Um, so one of the main things to be doing, you know, in order to defeat it is just to become more aware of it, is kind of to know, um, you know, what's going on. And like the more primitive uh, defense mechanisms are usually more unconscious, like, um, you know, denial. Like, uh, you know, is it raining today? You know, no, it's not raining. Well, really it is raining. And, and but you don't necessarily know that you're in denial. You're just, everybody else maybe knows you're in denial, but you're the one who doesn't know. And um, so just becoming aware of it is like a, is a really important first step. And then um, as you become more aware of it, you can identify it. And that's uh, usually uh, very helpful in starting to make gains in it. But, you know, it depends a little bit on what the defense is. If, if we could look at our kids for just a little bit, Dr. Cyrus, uh, one coping mechanism and defense mechanism I know that kids use a lot is lying. <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't know if that fits under the denial category. But, like, you know, the, the other day I, I asked one of my boys if they'd uh, brush their teeth and wash their face and, and all that. And, they, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did the old check the toothbrush thing. Well, I forgot. <laughs> well, no, you didn't forget. You, you lied right to my face. And then not two days later... The same boy is out getting fitted for new glasses, mm -hmm. and the lady asked if he washes his face every day yeah. because she was showing him a trick on how to keep his glasses clean with fresh water, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. He goes, well, I typically wash my face at least every other day. Yeah, yeah. So he was very <laughs> honest with this woman he'd never met before, but with us, it's defiance. It's like, absolutely, I wash my face. Absolutely, I brush my teeth. And it's a flip of a coin as to whether or not he's actually done it. So can, can you help me out on that? Is, is lying one of these defense mechanisms that can become a, a bigger problem as we get older? Well, I, you know, lying is very common at, at certain ages and, and in even older. Um, I think that normally, uh, you know, lying, you know, you would consider that, a, you know, definitely a defense Um it's not kind of one of the more classic defense mechanisms, um, but it definitely is one. Normally, uh, you would think of, of, of this as being something that's more what they actually believe. So when he was saying, I forgot about it, um, it might actually be that he didn't forget about it, but he might actually start to believe that he did forget about it. And that would be more kind of a denial. And, uh, you know, but lying, I think, lying, I think is definitely one. Lying is a little bit of a tricky one to uh, to treat for kids 
one of the things that's kind of helpful to tell parents, though, is to talk to your kids about how, well, we're going to have to manage your lying. And because it's lying, we're sometimes going to be wrong. And we're going to have to punish you sometimes or deal with lying and give you a consequence sometimes when we were wrong and you actually didn't lie about it. Mm. Um, so, But you need to be aware that if we're actually going to be able to help you with this, we're going to have to be making some mistakes sometimes. We're just going to use our best judgment. We don't mean to make those mistakes. It's just kind of part of the process. So you try to tell the truth as much as you can. We'll use our best judgment and... Uh, and that's just sometimes you'll have to just have to know we're going to make mistakes. And that's kind of important for parents to know because they don't like making mistakes. Um, and you kind of just need to realize that that's part of the process. And usually it's good to involve your kids in that. Yeah, for any parents that would like the clip of that, send me an email, <laughs> gmac <laughs> at cgob.com. I will isolate that piece of audio and I will send it to you. Feel free to use it with your kids. Why don't we take a break here? We'll pause our conversation with... Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, he is a clinical psychologist. His website is drcyrus.com. We're talking about defense mechanisms. We are live on the rooftop patio at Santa Lucia Pizza on St. Mary's Road. It's Mackling and McGarry Patio Palooza. It did rain here quite hard, and looks like we're still surrounded by potentially some rain. Looking at the radar, it looks like it's just scattered throughout all of southern Manitoba, all of southern Saskatchewan, and pretty much half of Alberta, too. So... The prairies are getting pounded on a Friday afternoon, but right now it's calm. Come join us at Santa Lucia Pizza. Dr. Cyrus is our guest, and we'll have more with him after your forecast, which is up next. We also like to keep you up to date on traffic situations, including lights out on La Jamodiere at several major intersections, uh, McLeod or Grassy, also at Springfield and Chief Peguis Trail. Police and cadets are present and directing traffic. And Jason tells us, I have a traffic update. Highway 44 east of Elma going towards Rennie. Highway resurfacing is complete. So some good news on the traffic front from our uh, loyal listener, Jason. I imagine he's on his way out to the lake. Right on, Jason. Thank you very much for that. Our guest is Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. He is a clinical psychologist. His website, drcyrus.com. We're talking about defense mechanisms today and i'm curious to know is uh, is substance abuse dr cyrus can that be a form of a defense mechanism from the term from the point of view of uh, self-medication oh definitely i think that um that would be kind of a a, a compensation uh, defense mechanism something that you're doing to distract yourself from your feelings and uh it's not necessarily one of the healthiest defense mechanisms that are out there, but it's definitely one of them. And, uh, you know, it can be pretty effective when you're uh, kind of in the middle of it, but it usually doesn't last very long, as we are, people know. Normally. Are there healthy defense mechanisms? Oh, yeah, definitely there are healthy uh, defense mechanisms. They've actually had research showing that people who use kind of more mature defense mechanisms, uh, you know, generally are healthier and uh, have more social support and things like that. So, I mean, we often think about defense mechanisms as being something that's, you know, you just have to get rid of. Uh, but often in my practice, I find that it's uh, sometimes better when people have a few, even some of the more primitive coping mechanisms, you know, you, you don't want to just tear them away from people. You want to kind of chip away at them a little bit slowly so that they can kind of still cope and still get through their day and stuff like that. And, um, and but yeah, the more mature ones are, are really helpful. So, you know, I mentioned my kids, and that's obviously uh, one of the more important <laughs> relationships that we have uh, in our lives. But uh, the very most important relationship for most of us is within our marriages and, mm -hmm. our, and uh, with, our, with our partners. I is learning what defense mechanisms work best for them 
a good idea? Oh, yeah. Like, I think uh, couples come in and they, they're they often um, very defended against their partners. Uh, the reason is usually partners, I would consider partners one of the most uh, emotionally dangerous relationships we have. Uh, you know, if you're in a relation, like if you're uh, relating to your boss, that can be pretty dangerous because they can really, you know, damage your life. But a stranger on the street, normally not so much. But your spouse, they've got all your secrets. They're the ones who matter most to you. If they reject you, boy, that's a big rejection. Uh, if they if they don't like you, that, you know, that means that they know really a lot about you and they still don't like you. Um, that can be really painful emotionally. So we're very defended often against uh, kind of what they say and take their criticism. Uh, you know, it's harder to take a spouse's criticism. Uh, so dealing with the way that people are managing that and trying to keep themselves safe from their partners is a really important part. Is not wanting to apologize, is that also a form of defense? Oh, definitely. Because, I mean, if you're not apologizing, then you can't, um, you can't face yourself. Uh, so generally speaking, you know, a defense mechanism, especially the primitive ones, are a break from reality. So the reality is you did something wrong and it's your responsibility and the best response to kind of repair a relationship is to apologize. But if you can't face reality, then usually you'll use a defense mechanism because that's what defenses do. They help you to be unrealistic, um, you know, in order to kind of manage uh, in order to manage your emotions if you can't deal with that. Do oh. all defense mechanisms tie back to one of fight, flight, or freeze? Fight, flight, or freeze. Um, that's a tough one. I'm thinking it through. I think that those definitely do have a, have a place. I mean, if you think about flight uh, and, and these things as being very physiological, then it, probably not because uh, when people are using defenses, they're not always you know, having an emo like a physical response. Um, but in terms of kind of wanting to get away from your feelings, you know, definitely sometimes people, um, but normally I think it's probably, okay, thinking about it, it's probably more like flight. Like you're, fl you're, you're running away from your feelings, you're having difficulty with your feelings, and so you're using different things to manage them. You're not really usually running into them. Uh, there's a category of uh, def defense mechanism here called self-dissipation, mm. in which you turn all of your anxieties onto some idealized version of yourself in what can become a form of grandiosity. I don't know what that means. Uh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't write this article. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Cyrus probably knows what it means, though. Well, I think that it's, it's generally considered one of the more um, kind of positive things. So generally, this is the idea that even if you have a problem, your problems aren't so bad. Um, and maybe they're better than other people's problems. And maybe even it's not a problem. Um, so, you know, we see this in some, uh, you know, cultures or societies. Uh, an extreme form is when, you know, people take, um, boy, i got to be careful here. I uh, don't want to say, so. anyway, so like maybe narcissism, that's a little bit more acceptable. Narcissism might be something that, uh, you know, where you, you see yourself and maybe maybe you can't do something. Uh, like you can't, um, you can't read. And so you just say, well, you know what, reading is not important, you mm. know. Um, and you know what, maybe maybe I have certain skills that are different from other people because I can't read and I don't focus so much on that. I, I can read people better because I'm more focused on kind of what's happening around me and I'm not spending all this time with my nose in a book. You know, so that would be a kind of defense 
where you're raising yourself up even you know in spite of the reality that you know really you're you're having a difficulty almost a justification for mm-hmm. that that world of denial that you might be living in either right. full-time or part-time i right. think that's something uh, that a lot of people do when it comes to drinking and driving right they'll say right. i actually drive better when i'm drunk yes right that's something you hear quite often <laughs> uh, from people I've, mm-hmm. i i know i play pool better after i've had a couple of years <laughs> <but laughs> i think that's a whole other conversation <laughs> about confidence and, and the effect that alcohol can have on that dr cyrus it's always great to get this mm. time with you. Uh, you're going to be away next week? I'm going to be away. I'm going to take some time and get out of the city, and that'll be I'll, uh, my own defense. All right. <laughs> hey, well, we, ap- we appreciate the, the hard work that you put in, and the fact that you fit us into your schedule is uh, always appreciated. All the best, and uh, enjoy your week off. Thanks a lot. Okay, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, drcyrus.com, if you'd like to uh, get in touch with him. I've seen a husband completely devastated. I've seen... All kinds of people crushed, like it didn't just affect the family, it affected all kinds of people yesterday and for somebody to just drive away from something like that, it blows my mind. I just, I can't get over it. I don't know how somebody can do something like that and just keep going. That is audio from a report that you will also be able to see video attached to from our friend at Global News, Zara Premji, our colleague, and Zara, uh, that's some powerful witness testimony and recollection uh, there. Who were you speaking with? Well, exactly. Very powerful stuff from Tobin Reimer, who says he was just a car length behind the whole crash. He said he saw the vehicle almost climb over, and the way he describes it, uh, even my words can't help, so this is what he had to say. The truck was definitely speeding. From what I thought I saw was it looked like he was trying to beat the parked cars trying to sneak in around, you know, as the traffic's coming. He was trying to beat the parked cars and he clipped the back of their truck and his truck and trailer both went up and over the truck and back down onto the street again. So what Tobin is describing there is the fatal crash that happened yesterday where a woman in her 60s, a pedestrian trying to get into her vehicle, was hit by another vehicle that appeared, according to Tobin, to be speeding down the road. It clipped her. It knocked her right down. And what Tobin says is that he spoke to the husband after who was found just weeping over the body of this woman. And the husband was just a minute to a minute rather close to losing his own life as well he was on that side of the vehicle helping his wife get into the vehicle and just as that happened that's uh, when this individual came now winnipeg police say the truck has been found and the trailer attached to it but they are still asking for witnesses to come forward because no suspect has been found yet sorry the, the police have located the truck and the trailer they have they have just recently found the truck and trailer but they are still looking for the suspect a male or female they don't know but the suspect that was driving this vehicle that fled the scene after instantly killing this woman on marion street yesterday uh, zara we're hearing that for the very first time here and apologies to our colleague julie buckingham if that's been in her news, but I think that is brand new information for us here at 680 CGOB. Brad. Exactly, very brand new information. Uh, okay. It just came out that this truck was found and this trailer as well was found. Uh, earlier today, police did release the photos of it saying they wouldn't say anything about the truck, but they did say they were focusing their search efforts on the trailer, the black trailer that was attached. Only 
recently did we just find out that the truck and trailer were both found. Zara, can I ask you, uh, and hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot here, but yesterday the police were very reluctant to divulge any information about a suspect or what they were looking for. Uh, is there any indication as to why they wanted to keep that quiet? Yes, I actually asked that question to Constable Rob Carver yesterday at the scene, and the only reason he said he was reluctant was because that vehicle is believed to be connected to an incident prior to this fatal collision. Now, they couldn't confirm it in that moment, and what that is why they didn't want to put the description of the wrong vehicle out there and have uh, individuals, witnesses, uh, pedestrians, anyone on, on the streets to look for the wrong vehicle and incriminate the wrong person. So they said, you know, it's very important that we confirm this before we release it, which is why it did take about 24 hours for us to get the photo of the truck and trailer. Zara Premji from Global News, 6 o'clock tonight, Global News Winnipeg. You will see that interview, a uh, very heartfelt interview. And Brett, I imagine there will be more than one person who will be dealing with this image and what they saw yesterday for the rest of their life. This is going to affect a multitude of people. Zara Premji, thank you very much. And Zara is going to have more on Global News at 6 o'clock. That's on Global Television. I'm Brett McGarry with Greg Macklin. We are on the patio, the rooftop patio at Santa Lucia Pizza. A little quiet right now, but they're just getting ready for the dinner rush. You should come join us. St. Mary's Road, Marion and Goulet right beside us. We weathered the storm. It was sunny when we got here, like really sunny mm -hmm. and hot. And then it clouded over, and then we just got pounded by rain. They have a retractable roof on it, though, which is really cool. I don't think I've ever seen that on a patio, so it was neat to watch them close it. And you can come join us. They're cleaning up the patio right now, getting ready for a round two. It was really busy. It was packed when we got here. It really was, in spite of our presence. Uh, we have... <laughs> That's been, I think we chased them away. I think we may have... I just want to let you know, uh, programming note, of course, no news today from 4 to 7. That's because at 4 o'clock it's Bob Irving and Doug Brown, the pre-game show, Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Ottawa to face the Red Blacks, 1-4-1 one, one, Ottawa versus 3-2 Winnipeg. Kickoff is about 6 o'clock out of Ottawa. And we also want to remind you that at Shaw Park tonight, Team Toba, Manitoba boys baseball team going head-to-head -head with Saskatchewan in the gold medal game. That game gets underway at 7 o'clock. You'll want to get there early to get your tickets if you haven't purchased them online. There were two to 3,000 people there yesterday and lengthy lineups. We're anticipating an even bigger crowd tonight. So, as Keith McCullough told us early in the program, it was $10 to get in the ballpark yesterday, $15 tonight, and you will want to get there early. At 3 o'clock, the bronze medal match was scheduled to go. Obviously, with this weather, that will have been altered somewhat. So, uh... Uh, please let us know if you're heading down there. Shoot us a text message at 204-780-6868. We have stuff to give away. We will do that after traffic and weather, which starts up next. Sneaking in a little zaw. We've done a pretty good job yeah. with a pretty big pizza here for guys that have to use words for a living. Yeah, 15-inch pizza, pepperoni, mushroom, bacon, oh. San Lucia. Oh, hit the spot. It is hitting the spot. We have stuff here that will hopefully hit the spot for you as it pertains to prizes. We have one more pair of tickets to give away for Nickelback. Try that again. 
Savannah, do you have the audio handy there? All right. Maybe not. I guess not. So we'll just we'll just pretend. Do you want to just should I just sing it? This is how you remind me. No. Okay. Oh, oh, there we oh go. Savannah woke up. Nickelback coming to Winnipeg Thursday, September 21st, Bell MTS Place. And again, Savannah, don't worry about fading that music down. It just it plays on its own. And I, I can't believe how old this album is already. The question for you at 204-780-6868, what was the release date for Silver Side Up from which this song is from? Silver Side Up came out when? What was the release date? 204. Any hints here? 204-780-6868. Um, it's a fairly significant date. Is that good enough? Very significant yeah. date, yes. So 204-780-6868 is the number to call. We need you to call. You can't text. You must call. And uh, there's actually quite a few albums released on that date. What did, what did they call that day? It was, it was referred to as a Super Tuesday of albums because there were a number of... of Pretty big albums released that day, so we'll get into some of that a little bit later, time permitting. Now, before, in the meantime, I should set this up. We have a guest coming up in our next segment from a place called Oak Island Resort. Now, this is uh, I'm uh, I'm away next week. I am, as you know, I like to golf, and it's the 19th annual Laker Classic is on next weekend. This is we like to joke that it's a it's a tournament steeped in rich tradition but it's really just a bunch of goofs who go out and uh probably <laughs> probably uh well you know what it used to be let's go to the cabin and and drink a lot and then play golf but as we've gotten older and more into the golf it's actually the reverse guys are starting to go to bed early because there's a competition right there's a there's a gross division for guys who actually can score well. And then there's so the a net golf, handicap. So the golf has gotten more important over the years. Yeah. So this year we have 11 guys, and everybody is taking it fairly seriously in terms of the golf. And it's the 19th year that we've been doing this, and this year we're going back to a place that we went in 2013. It's called Oak Island Resort. Never heard of it until you mentioned it to me. And I'm a Westman guy. That's right. You know, I'm in touch with what's going on, at least I thought I was, yep. in Minnedosa, up in Riding Mountain, down in Boys of Vane, Killarney, Brandon. I thought I knew what the haps was out in that part of our <laughs> province. Clearly, I've been li- living under a, kind of a, a, a delusion on that front. So this is right near Verdon. Uh, there's also, I mean, it's right on Oak Lake. I don't know if you know that. Uh, as a, as a I, caught, I caught a fish at Oak Lake once, once when I was nine years old. Really? Would not take it off the hook. A 14 or 15-year-old girl had to come and take it off my hook for me. Really? Yes. <laughs> Did you get a number? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, what kind of fish was it? I have no idea. I didn't get close enough to find out. <laughs> Well, hey, that's a great memory of Oak Lake. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we want to tell you about this place because it's just one of those places that you maybe have not heard of, whether you're a golf enthusiast, maybe just a camping enthusiast, or you're just looking for something different, somewhere new to try. It's only three hours, not even three hours outside the perimeter. So it's uh, towards Verdon. Last time we played there, actually, now that I think of this, mm-hmm. there was one point where, like, it was a nice weekend, but there was one point where the guys in the clubhouse said to us, you know there's a tornado watch, right? <laughs> And we said, is that a watch or a warning? It's a watch. All right, let's go play. 
<laughs> and that is sort of Manitoba Hurricane Alley. Yeah, Hurricane Tornado Alley, right? Yeah. Down around uh, Pipestone and Reston and those areas, like along Highway 83, for whatever reason, that's kind of where we get a lot of reported tornadoes in Manitoba. So, um, 2013? Yep. You're a little wiser now? Oh, no, if there's, a, again, if there's a... I, It'll be the same question. Well, Is it a watch or a warning? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I played at Kingswood last year. There was a tornado, or at least a funnel cloud, uh, like from what I could tell, a couple of holes over. But I had a great tee shot, so I had to go finish my get got my par. Uh, there's dedication, <laughs> and then there's stupidity, and then there's a little bit of both. I think you're exhibiting just a tiny bit of both there, Mr. McGarry. We'll have a look at your forecast coming up next. Patio Palooza, Santa Lucia Pizza, St. Mary's Road, Mackling, and McGarry. Every Friday, all summer, we are here. You have a chance to win yourself a hundred dollar tab to come sit on the patio and enjoy the delicious pizza that they serve. We just polished off our pepperoni <laughs> bacon mushroom. It was sensational. Thank you very much, Santa Lucia, for your tasty meals. And, uh, yeah, every Friday until the end of the summer. I'm supposed to go home and have supper after this. Oh, did I, well, uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll, you'll soldier. A little, little pre-supper supper. <laughs> Hey, congratulations to John Zentner, who won today's pair of Nickelback tickets. Our final pair. They're coming in Winnipeg Thursday, September 21st, Bell MTS Place. We played the song, This Is How You Remind Me, which comes from the album Silver Side Up. The question was, what was the release date for Silver Side Up? The answer is September 11th, 2001. That's right, 9-11. The A same day as 9-11. And uh, oddly enough, that day many... Uh, major albums were released, including Jay-Z, The Blueprint, and Mariah Carey's Glitter. So just a couple to name. Uh, Super Tuesday, list. they called it, in retrospect. That's right. So in the meantime... Let's go golfing. Let's go golfing to Oak Island Resort. We just uh, spent a little bit of time talking about it, teeing it up, as it were. Ooh, Our nice. guest is Trevor McGill. He is the operator at Oak Island Resort in western Manitoba. He joins us now on 680 CJOB. Trevor, thanks for joining us. And my first question for those who don't know, and that's the reason why I brought you on, is because I think a lot of people in Winnipeg don't know where you are, have never heard of you. Where is Oak Island? Well, we're, uh, first of all, thanks for having me today. Um, we are actually about 30-minute drive from, uh, from Brandon. Uh, we're located between uh, basically uh, Brandon and, uh, and Verdon. And uh, it's it's in a nice spot, uh, basically uh, kind of amongst the uh, the really nice oak trees uh, at uh, Oak Lake Beach. Oak Lake Beach is a beautiful spot. A lot of people from Brandon are familiar with it. I'm on your website right now, and I gotta tell you, I am absolutely shocked, Trevor, at how gorgeous this place is. Not because there aren't so many beautiful places in Manitoba, but I really believe I should have heard about you by now. How long has this been a going concern? Well, you know what? We've, uh, there's been you know, big changes within probably the last 10 years. Uh, probably most notably the, uh, the golf course. Um, you know, it's, it's 10 years old right now, but... Uh, uh, when it was first built, there's, uh, the, the homework was certainly done on this, on this place. It's, uh, probably one of the, uh, the best, uh, you know, one of the best, uh, you know, public golf courses and resort, uh, golf courses in Manitoba. Um, you know, they, I mentioned they did their homework on it. Uh, when they first built it, they had, uh, 
Les Ferber, which is a uh, you know a really excellent, uh, probably one of the most uh, well, he's for Western Canada, anyways. He's uh, he's known for uh, you know building some really nice tracks, uh, some of the you know, uh, nicer mountain courses that you see out west. Um, you know he's built. Uh, he's uh, pretty famous in in Canada for sure, but he's actually done uh, a lot of international business. Um, he's actually worked with uh, Robert Trent Jones' firms. Uh, his company's GDS, and uh, um, usually when you you know design golf courses, that's one of the you know the fall downs is is uh, you know you originally don't do the uh, the legwork to start, and uh, you know we're we're pretty proud of the place. So. Well, it is a spectacular golf course. Uh, I mean, the the reason why we're talking to you today is the 19th annual Laker Classic is coming to Oak Island next weekend. We were there in 2013, and I think of all the places we've been, it may very well be our favorite. And uh, it's not just, you know, for those who maybe aren't interested in golf, that doesn't mean that Oak Island Resort doesn't have anything for you. What kind of stuff is there for families, for example? Well... We've got the, uh, you know, I mentioned the golf course. It's a, it's a nice addition to, uh, you know, there's a, 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 you know, a really excellent camp facilities. Uh, so if you've got RVs and you're looking, uh, you know, for the family to have a nice, uh, you know, stay, uh, we, you know, it's, uh, we've got uh, miniature golf there. We've got a uh, uh, full-service marina. So we've got, uh, if you want to bring out your boat, uh, we, we certainly, you can access the lake. Uh, from there, um, it's uh, we've got you know bait and tackle. We got your licenses. We got everything that you need to uh, uh, to make use of the lake. Um, we've got uh, new this year. We've got some uh, some family nights uh, planned. Uh, we got regular uh, yeah we got regular uh, activities planned. We've got movie nights for the kids. Uh, we've uh, for you Canada, have cabin rentals too. Really right? Sorry to interrupt, but you have, you have cabin, I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but for the listeners, yeah. you have, what kind of cabins do you have up for rent? Well, we've got, uh, we've got about four cottages there. Uh, they're, they're custom built. Uh, they, they're complete with all your amenities. We've got, um, uh, basically, you know, it depends on your, uh, uh, on your group size, but generally they, they, they can accommodate four to six people. Uh, they've got, you know, barbecues and everything needed to, uh, to have a good time. What's the website for anybody who maybe wants to get home and can safely pull up? Uh, you know, if they're listening in their car right now, we don't want them to pull it up. But when they get home, what's yeah. the uh, website? It's 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 oakislandgolf.ca, and uh, you can uh, you can go and check it out. And um, you know, if you obviously if you have any questions or you want to book a date, you can uh, you can always give us a call too, so we can uh, fill people. people people in on uh, some of the finer details now uh, one more question before i go and this is a nerdy golf question but i understand that you have flipped the front nine and the back nine uh, since the last time i was there is that correct and if so why well you know what we we, we just felt that it was uh it's it, it was just actually it's, it's the way that the course was first set up and designed um i, I know there's probably some uh uh, really complicated issues for, for for switching it, but we just you know feel it's uh, it, it's just a better uh, uh, a better opening hole and uh, and and finishing you know so um, we've we've actually changed uh, where our pro shop is and we've we've got a, a really excellent uh, 
uh, venue for uh, you know for for groups and for for restaurant facilities. So we uh, we've got our main building there that uh, that serves uh, serves up some really good food as well. So well, hey, I'm looking forward to coming back. All the boys are looking forward to it. So thanks for taking some time to tee it up. And it sounds like it's going to be a brand new experience with all the changes you've made. So we're looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah. For- yeah, for sure. I, I look forward to seeing you guys out. All right. Trevor McGill is the operator at Oak Island Resort. Once again, it's about three hours west of Winnipeg. Spectacular place if you love golf. One of the best golf courses I've played anywhere. So you should go. I, I love being educated. I'm sure our listeners are appreciating it as well to know that there's a place like this where you can go and you can camp, you can golf. They've got some wicked combination specials for golfing and camping so take a look at that when we come back it is the long weekend it's a terry fox weekend which means there's tons of activities to participate in bomber game don't forget six o'clock tonight is the kickoff our pregame coverage gets underway at four and at seven o'clock tonight i'm guessing maybe slight modification at shaw park tonight team toba takes on team saskatchewan in the gold medal game at the Canada Summer Games. We'd love to see you out there as well. Let's pack the park in support of the boys' baseball team. And we've got, we're going to talk about the Manitoba Derby, right? You've got it, brother. After traffic, as well as weather. Up next. I'd like to go with 23 million. That's what I'd like to go with. Yeah. You know what would be nice? Not to have to work with you again. (laughs) (laughs) That's what most people say after they work with me. Not because I don't like working with you, but I'd like to be able to... Give you a call while you're on your holidays next week and go, Brett, that show on Friday, it was the perfect way to cap off our <laughs> career together. And uh, I'll be seeing you around. That I'll, I'll fly good. out to Maui. <laughs> that sounds good. Maybe taking a horse race. A horse race or two. Maybe drop a few dollars on the pony somewhere in North America. Why not a Cinnaboy Downs? It's the Terry Fox weekend, which means there are tons of things to do. Folklorama starts Sunday. Isla Digadagarin, Islandic festival up in Gimli. How do I get Isla Digadagarin right and stumble on Icelandic? Well, That's I- typical for me. Isla Digadagarin. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yep. Canada Games, uh, Harbor Fest out in Kenora, Rock in the Fields in Mendoza, and the Manitoba Derby. Darren Dunn, Assiniboy Downs, joining us now, and... Darren, I hear there's a Philly who's trying to crash the party on Monday. Well, guys, there sure is, and uh, what a special Philly she is. And it's very, very rare to have one uh, enter the Manitoba Derby. In our sport, uh, the sexes don't match up that well. Uh, The males tend to be very, very dominant. Uh, In this case, we have one uh, that really has uh, caught everyone's attention this year. Her name is Escape Clause. She's had five starts at Assiniboia Downs this year. She has won all five, so mm. at five for five. She's destroyed all, uh, all uh, contenders and, uh, and those who tried to come and uh, challenge her. Uh, this time she's going to step it up uh, against a, a full field of eight, so we're really excited about the field size we're offering. And the fact that Escape Clause was uh, fold right here in Manitoba, bred in Manitoba, it's a real shot in the arm for those uh, in the industry locally, and uh, there's no question uh, the spotlight's going to be on her Monday afternoon. So what time does the event start on Monday? Uh, the horses will parade to post at uh, 1.30. Uh, we have an eight-race card and, uh, and all kinds of things to do beyond just, uh, obviously, the Manitoba Derby, which is our pinnacle race of the year and, and the feature of the day. But certainly want to let folks know that uh, we have everything from uh, Derby Sweepstakes Contest to win some cash, and it's free to enter. You know the fabulous hats are coming out, so we have a contest for that. It's our local version of the Kentucky Derby, if you will. 
So people really go out of their way to fit that role of uh, joining us for an afternoon of horse racing, uh, the pony rides, the petting farm for the kids. We've got a collector card giveaway uh, and even a Season 60 collage that we've put together we're going to give away as we've been recognizing uh, Season 60 at Assiniboia Downs and the history that comes with it uh, all year. Darren, is it fair to say if you only make it to the Downs once this year, Manitoba Derby Day is the day to come? Yeah, I think that is exactly right. And uh, for those who aren't uh, you know, intimately involved with our sport, this is the one they circle on their calendar. And uh, even if they're headed to Lake Country, uh, a lot of folks uh, do us the honour of coming in a little bit early and rounding out their long weekend by uh, doing the downs uh, for the balance of that Monday uh, uh, experience. Darren, I want to extend an apology for you for not having you on the program in uh, far too long a time. We promise to have you on in the next few weeks as we uh, make our way through the rest of thoroughbred season. Hey, love it, guys, and I appreciate the attention. And uh, for those who are doing this vacation uh, or out at Lake Country, do the Downs Monday and uh, come out and support your, your local track and have a little bit of fun with us. You park for free, you walk in for free. Not a lot of places you can do that in this town anymore. I'm going to try and outdo you there, Darren Dunn. Do, 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 do the Downs. How's that? <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> Thanks, DD. Appreciate it. All the best, guys. Thanks. He's got a great, he raises a great point there, too, on the free parking, free admission. It's easy. It's easy. You just go there, you park, and huge parking lot. So it's no problem. It's a fun time. It's neat. always neat to see the horses, especially if you can get up close. You hear them thundering past you. It's, it's, it's surreal. Stop. <laughs> Stop. I want to go now. <laughs> Uh, that's all the time we have. So thank you very much, Greg Mackling. Thanks to Mike Geisen on board, on our uh, on site engineer here, and for John Lasani uh, for keeping us company and doing all of our social internet social medias that's while right. we're busy stuffing Sa- our face with pizza. Savannah Piers for keeping us in line for everyone that came by to say hello. All of our guests on the patio and uh, our friends here at Santa Lucia. Brett McGarry, have a great week off, my friend. I'll uh, I'll see you actually in three weeks. You realize that? Yeah, you're off for two weeks <laughs> after that. Yeah, the listeners couldn't be happier. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry on 680. CJOB, the Bombers are next. <laughs>